Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Sean and Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking about putting your credit cards on an island. So before we get into today's podcast, I just wanted to remind you that there are a few days left to enter our Seattle getaway giveaway. Again, it's a two-night stay at the amazing Fairmont Olympic Seattle Hotel. This is just one of my favorite hotels. It is absolutely stunning. And whoever wins this getaway giveaway is going to have a few nice extra perks that uh, I'm going to let be a surprise for you when you get there. Plus two $50 gift cards to the Pike Brewing Company. Again, the link is in the show notes to enter or go to http colon backslash backslash bit.ly 
backslash Seattle giveaway. And again, you're going to need the code word and the code word is bees. All right. So, um, get to entering the more times you share it, um, the more entries you get. So this is going to be an amazing little getaway giveaway. You can certainly stay longer. You can extend your trip, do whatever you want to do. But, um, if you haven't been to Seattle, uh, you are just going to love it. All right. So we know that consumer debt is ridiculous, right? Our friends at Wallet Hub put out a 2016 credit card debt study, and they found that U.S. consumers racked up $21.9 billion in credit card debt during quarter three, only quarter three in 2016, which is the seventh largest third quarter accumulation in the last 30 years. Crazy, I know, right? And that study was just released. So what they also found is that we are on track now to finish 2016 with $80 billion net increase in credit card debt. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money in credit card debt. I mean, we could feed nations with that amount of debt. It is crazy. In the UK, total credit card debt in September 2016 was 65.7 billion pounds this is crazy, right? Um, in Australia, it's around 32 billion Australian dollars. So this is just a lot of money worldwide. It's not just this crazy uh, U.S. Ec- epidemic. It is a worldwide epidemic. And why is it? Well, I mean, you know, like we even have to ask the question, right? I think nowadays, even more so than than ever before, the want and need for things is so on the rise. I mean, with social media, we see everyone living these amazing, glamorous, fantastic lives. They're going to eat at these restaurants. They're traveling to these places. You know, they're buying these clothes. Um, they're going clubbing. They're doing whatever, and they're spending money. And the problem is, is they're probably spending money they don't have, right? And we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I will be the first one to admit that many times in my life, I have spent more money than I actually had to spend, and I've had to climb out of credit card debt. So I am not immune to it. I am just here to help you um, either not get in that situation or help you come up with a plan to get out of that situation because being in debt, you know, that kind of credit card debt just really sucks. And there are so many better things that we can actually do with our money than paying interest to credit card companies who are making hand over fist for our debt, right? So a wallet hub came out with these, um, you know, kind of great tips about paying off your credit cards and different credit card strategies, all things that, you know, we've talked about kind of over and over and over again, you know, obviously make a budget and stick to it. You know, um, I mean, this is a no brainer and I think, you know, anytime somebody pushes back at making a budget, really what I try to tell them is a budget is like your roadmap. It is like your GPS system, right? Because what it does is it tells you, it gives you permission to spend money. It gives you permission to go out and do the things that you want to do, to pay your bills or to pay off something, right? If you if you create a budget every single month, and even though it may be re- repetitive, you know, what you make and what you spend may seem ridiculously mundane, You might have a budget that doesn't even change that much each month, or you might be an entrepreneur or self-employed or run your own business, and it fluctuates greatly from month to month. But it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you need a budget. And I have... 
I have seen people that I have helped create a budget because everything was um, crazy. They were overspending. I mean, I, I can't, I see this time and time again. I really can't give you enough examples of this to kind of drive my point home. We set up a budget, I check back in with them in a few months. And sure enough, they're not doing it every month. Um, they're just going off the one that we set up, which of course is irrelevant. It, it doesn't work each month. You have to create a new budget, right? It just is that plain and simple. And so, um, you know, they called me back in like three months and they're like, oh my gosh, we're kind of like back in the situation we were in. What do we do? And, you know, I can give you again, like all the tools, I can give you all the information. I can tell you all crazy, complex financial things to do, to grow your money, to diversify, to, uh, leverage your money. I can give you every technique in the book, right? But I'm going to tell you that it actually starts with budgeting everything leads back to, do you know your numbers? Do you know how much you're spending? If I asked you right now, how much money did you spend last month on eating out? You should be able to tell me to the T, maybe a few cents off. I'll give you that leeway, but to the T, you should be able to tell me how much you spent, right? Because you should have your budgeting system so down pat that it's simple. Right before the beginning of the month, you take five minutes, you set up first column in your budget, what you think you're going to spend. This is your budget, right? You, you literally like copy and paste. It's so simple. You go through the month, right? You, you keep yourself on budget every week at the end of the month, you tally up everything that you've spent that much, you much that month, and you fill it in to the second column, what you actually spent, right? And then you compare and contrast. Where did you do good? Where did you not do good? And then you make changes from there. But the power is in actually looking at what the heck you did spend. And that's the problem. Nobody actually looks at that. And, you know, budgets lie. They lie all the time because you can put in whatever numbers you want. It doesn't matter what numbers you put in. It matters what actually happened, right? It, it It's like, you know, in the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter what teams are playing. It matters who actually won the game. That person that won the game gets the trophy and the money and the team gets all the money and all the accolation and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? And they get to say they're the champions. Well, it's the same thing with your budget, right? It isn't until the end of the month when you actually know what you spend that you have some sort of power and control over your finances. And I think by doing that practice over and over again, you get in the habit of uh, getting comfortable with like, okay, so I have like, you know, however much extra this month, I can go out and, you know, go shopping, or I can go on a trip, or I can do whatever I want, like you start trusting those numbers. And that's where this roadmap becomes really, really, really powerful, really powerful. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you right now that I was working with a client who made well over $500,000 a year, US dollars. It's, it's just a good amount of money, right? You could do a lot of good things with that. And they are um, trying to figure out how they do not declare bankruptcy. And I am working with them right now. And the problem is, is that they have no idea what they're spending. And they, I mean, they obviously know they're overspending, right? Now, you'd have to be ridiculous not to know that. But they have no idea how much they're overspending, what they're spending on. So I did an entire analysis for them. And it's, let me tell you, it is, <laughs> it is um, a train wreck. And if we did not stop that fast moving train, it was going to run into a wall and blow up. 
So are we going to be able to, to save them from not having to maybe sell their house or do something dramatic? I'm not quite sure yet. You know, we're still working on it. But the point is, is they make a lot of money and they still have this affliction. They're still not working with a budget. So again, I just, I totally want to blow out any perception that you have in your mind that this only happens to people who don't make a lot of money because it is so not true. In fact, the people that usually make a lot of money, I see it even worse. You know, I mean, everything is a mess, right? Okay, so emergency fund, you know, again, we've gone over and over this. Please try to save three months of your fixed expenses somewhere, work hard, do whatever you can, just get some sort of emergency fund. I guarantee you, you're going to need it sometime in your life. Um, improving your credit score is so important. Your credit score is what everything is based off of. It's what the interest rates you're going to get. And, and that really determines, it may sound silly, but that does determine your financial future because the lower interest you can pay on everything, cumulative, the more money you have to invest, the more money you have to buy a house, the more money you have to start your business or do whatever you want to do, right? So credit score is really super important. But then this last tip, I thought, you know, was really interesting and I hadn't heard this before. And um, the tip was to try what they call their island approach for better credit card terms. And I thought, you know, it took me actually a couple times to read um, their methodology behind this. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, this is what I teach you. But I kind of like this idea, like to think of your credit cards on an island. So the idea is each credit card is essentially like on its own island, right? And this beautiful island, like separated by water, living this great life. You know, you got your, your one Visa card here, your MasterCard, your Discover card, whatever you got right there out there, just floating, hanging out, having a good old time. So you pick one credit card for monthly purchases that you religiously pay off right? So that is, again, what I teach you about using your credit card like a debit card. You charge all of your monthly purchases on it, you pay it off, you don't have to deal with interest at all, and you basically like, you know, um, give the middle finger to the credit card company because you're kind of like, well, screw you. I figured a way around your system. I'm going to use your credit card, but I am not going to pay you any interest, right? So that's your one credit card on um, on that island, right? Your monthly island. Then you've got a credit card where you maybe have low interest purchases. So things like maybe you need to furnish a new place or you need a new computer or whatever it may be. The object is, is that you're trying to get that credit card to have the lowest rate possible. So whether you do like a balance transfer or, you know, whatever it is, you're, you're trying to have that card that maybe has a balance that you're trying to pay off. You're keeping that at the lowest rate possible. So the idea is that like, let's say essentially you had those two cards linked together, right? So you had one card and you were using it for your monthly purchases, plus you were paying off some sort of debt. The problem is you're just stacking interest upon interest on a much higher number because you're charging your monthly purchases on it and things like that versus if you use kind of this separate island approach and each card kind of has its own job to do, right? Then you're you're actually like lowering your total cumulative interest charge that you're going to pay. You could also have, you know, a points card 
Um, if you have a points card, this could be, you know, your general kind of monthly credit card, um, which I suggest because you can rack up a ton of points. So whether it's points, whether it's cash back, um, whatever it is, you should always get something for the money that you're spending. Uh, if you're using a regular credit card for your monthly purchases that is not associated with you know, some sort of cash back, points, whatever, you're doing it wrong. Stop right now. <laughs> Get one of those cards, right? Because again, this is another way you're basically giving a middle finger to the credit card company. You're saying, not only am I not going to pay your interest, but I'm going to take all your points. I'm going to take all of your cash back. I'm going to take all of those little pretty things wrapped up with a bow. I'm going to use your credit card every month, but I am not going to pay interest, right? It is the biggest F you to the credit card companies. And I really would be so super proud if like everyone listening did that. <laughs> um, the credit card companies won't really make money. They'll find a way to make money, but you get, you get where I'm going with this, right? So each card has its purpose and you, you create a plan that you stick to, um, you know, another card that I might suggest is maybe you have one other card that's like an airline credit card and you use that like when you purchase, you know, obviously airfare or anything travel related. And the reason you might do that is because with an airfare card, a lot of them now you can actually skip the baggage fees, which ends up being a fair amount of money, um, even if it's just yourself traveling, you know, so you save, you know, 50, 100 bucks, whatever it may be. If you have a family, you could save a lot more money. So, I, I would almost have like a separate island for some sort of airline or hotel card. Maybe if you stay at like one particular hotel all the time, um, maybe you could utilize that. But I really like the idea for for uh, an airline card to save on those bag fees because I hate those bag fees. Um, there are actually a lot of airlines too where um, you know they might they might cover. Um, you know, all sorts of like extras, like maybe you get into their lounges, things like that. So, you know, that's a good idea to have one of those. But again, the idea is that each credit card is on its own island. It all has its own job and its own function and you're utilizing it that way. Um, so I just thought that was a super innovative tip that I really wanted to share with you. I think maybe that helps like visualize your credit cards and, and really give them a strategy. And again, all I want to do is just say kind of screw you to the credit card companies. And I want to help all of you figure out how to do this better. So I thought that was great with uh, wallet hub. I've got a link to, um, their actual site that kind of goes more in depth on the Island approach in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. Um, again, you know, credit cards, like I'm a big fan of them. I, I hate to say it. There's a lot of personal finance people that are going to tell you otherwise. And I just, you know, I, I disagree. I respectfully disagree because there are so many good things that you can do with a credit card, the points, cash back, the fraud protection. Um, when you rent a car, the rental car coverage, there are so many different things that a credit card offers you that I just feel like if you if you learn how to use them responsibly and you learn how to do it right and you learn how to do something like this island approach, you're just gaming the system, right? And I'm all for gaming the system. They make a money a lot. Um, uh, I'm getting tongue tied because I'm getting so excited. Um, they make so much money off of us, you know, that we should we should figure out. Uh, we should figure out a way to take advantage of their system without, um, without totally taking advantage of it. You know, I mean, they're still making money, right? 
All right. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Remember to um, put your name in the hat for the Seattle Getaway Giveaway. We are going to be uh, drawing a name next week. Hopefully it will be yours. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Shauna Game and Instagram at Millennial underscore Money. Thank you.